So welcome back to another episode of the Rail Delivery Group's Big Conversations podcast, where we chat to industry experts about the challenges and opportunities of reconnecting Britain in a post-pandemic world. Obviously quite a big uh, spectrum and we'll be uh, going around the houses today talking about specifically what we can expect of our high streets as we emerge from the pandemic. I'm your host, Robert Nisbet, and today I'm talking to Paul Swinney, who's the Director of Policy and Research at the Centre for Cities, and Helen Dickinson, who is the CEO of the British Retail Consortium. Hello to both of you. Paul, let's start with you. So what does the Centre for Cities do? So we are a think tank that looks at the 63 largest urban areas across the country, ranging from Exeter, which is our smallest, through to places like Wakefield, Barnsley, uh, Belfast, and all the way up to, to London, which is obviously the largest. And we look at the economies of those places. So trying to understand how many jobs have they got, how productive are they, and what does that then mean for, for policy for both a national and local perspective? So we won't get into the uh, discussion about a city is a city if it has a cathedral in it. I'm sure you, you get that all the time. <laughs> um, Helen, uh, great to have you on board as well. Just explain a little bit about the British Retail Consortium. Uh, hi, yeah. So the BRC, we're a, we're a trade association. So retailers are up and down the country are members of the BRC. So our job is two things, really. Firstly, to to be the voice of the industry. So we talk a lot in the media to, to anybody, everybody that's connected to, to, to retail to help people understand some of the transformation that we're seeing in the way that we shop. Uh, and then our second objective is really about influencing things that are important to the industry and the customers that it serves. So um, that mainly involves talking to government, so lobbying, um, and whether that's you know in Westminster or across the devolved nations, uh, and you know as you can imagine, you know debates about the you know future of, of high streets, of town centres, of cities, um, with a with a pandemic on on the top, when we were already seeing a, a transformation in the way that the industry was uh, moving, based on changes in the way that we shop, as is has been um, a pretty sort of focused, full-on activity. So we have a collision of, of three worlds here, retail, cities and the railways, all three areas, of course, massively affected uh, by, the, by the pandemic. So um, let, let's look at the kind of state of play at the moment, and then we'll uh, go on to look at what potentially the, the, the future can hold and how the pandemic has, has shaped development in all of our areas. So, Paul, let, let's start off with you. Um, let's have a general question just to give us some context. What role do cities and specifically their high streets have on the national economy? So cities play an outsized role in the national economy. So they account for around about 9% of all land in the UK, but they account for about 60% of all output. So what you've got is a lot of people, a lot of businesses, a lot of activity concentrated in actually quite small areas, making this outsized contribution. And when you then zoom into the city centres in particular um, and look at the contribution that they're making, we see that of the 63 city centres, largest city centres in the UK, and they account for about 0.1% of all land. But in terms of jobs, they account about for about 14%. And if you're then looking at high-skilled jobs in particular, it rises to somewhere around about 25%. So you see that these incredibly small um, parts of, of the UK, you know, the, the city centres of our 63 largest cities and towns, playing this uh, very crucial role uh, in the national economy. Now, you have variation across that. You know, you have some that are doing very, very well, like, like London, 
um, Brighton. You'll have some that have undergone a resurgence like Birmingham and, and Manchester city centres. And then you'll have some places that are perhaps not performing so well. So Sheffield city centre traditionally hasn't performed quite so well. Uh, Wakefield hasn't done so well. Preston hasn't done so well. So you get a lot of variation um, across that. And, and that assessment just there was pre-pandemic, was it? Or, or are you talking about the actual effects of the of COVID? It was definitely pre-pandemic. So it's looking at the world in perhaps more normal times. A lot of discussion about whether we will return there. And we think that we, we will. There's also a lot of discussion, I think, about how that is played out. The pandemic is played out across city centres, and we actually see very varying patterns there. What's particularly interesting, I think, is that those places that went into the recession in a strong position from a high street perspective are actually being the ones that have been hit the hardest. Whereas those places that went in in a, in a fairly weak position, so perhaps more of a place like a, a Blackpool or a Birkenhead, they actually have fared relatively better over the last 10, 11 months than, say, the centre of Manchester or the centre of London. I think that's very much because going into the pandemic, those places that were doing well were places that had lots of jobs in them, that were pulling in lots of workers that were spending money. That was their real strength. But now that's become a bit of an Achilles heel because as a lot of these service uh, workers are working from home now, they're not in the centres, they're not spending the money. And therefore, when shops have been open, which of course has not always been the case over the last 11 months, but when they have been open, they have then struggled in particular, whereas places like Birkenhead and Blackpool saw actually quite a strong bounce back, certainly through the summer of, of 2020. That's really interesting. And, and obviously, that first group of cities that you were talking about, the bigger cities, many of those office workers were obviously taking the train. I mean, let, let's look at the high street now, Helen. I mean, it's fairly obvious you know, from what Paul is just saying that, that our high streets have taken a pounding. Uh, with over a year of these restrictions. But just how much are we talking? Well, I think our estimate is that uh, about £22 billion of sales were lost during the course of 2020 um, in terms of the the impact of the various closures. So what what, what the pandemic has done in, in some ways is accelerated many of the trends that we were seeing across retail pre-pandemic. The, the shift to online, so the, those changes in our own shopping behaviours, that has really, really accelerated during the course of um, the various lockdowns because online has been a lifeline for us all. And... Um, so many retail businesses have really invested to, to increase that capacity. So online retail sales are up some months um, as high as 70%, 80% year on year during the course of, of certain months during 2020 and into 2021. Yeah, so that's, that's a great sort of investment story. On the other hand, obviously, it's physical retail that's been hit hardest. Um, because of the, the forced closures of, of what's been defined as, as non-essential. And the, uh, the cities are where that is really hit most. And that cities bit is, is, as Paul highlighted, a trend that has reversed what was potentially happening before, because it was those, those cities, those destinations that were actually perhaps faring better Whereas now, you know, football last year, so football up and down our high streets right across the country was down about 40% overall. And, you know, that is really split between local where it's probably less than that. Retail parks is only down 20 only. Um, whereas um, cities, some cities, you know, people talk about, you know, London, Manchester, perhaps being at, down as much as 70 or 80 or even more percent. So, so the big sort of question is how much of that will reverse in terms of those working patterns, those travel patterns, going back to your rail connection, 
um, and you know all those people, half the country that is now working from home, will we all, for those of us that it includes, myself included, um, end up going back um, back into our offices five days a week, or 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 only two or three? And you know the answers to those sorts of questions are going to have huge consequences for 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 the the outcome of the trajectory that we were already on. No, absolutely. And you're both painting a kind of a fascinating landscape where, you know, there are actually winners and losers in this and it's not uniformly uh, terrible across the board. And I think we, we need to explore that in a little bit more detail. Uh, just to remind people, you're listening to the Rail Delivery Group's Big Conversation podcast. And I'm talking to Paul Swinney, Director of Policy Research at the Centre for Cities, and Helen Dickinson, who's the CEO of the British uh, Retail Consortium. So this is all going to finish one day. I don't mean the world, although it does feel like it. Um, uh, everybody, when we get up and for, for us sitting in front of laptops again. Um, but eventually we're going to come out of this. Um, the vaccination program obviously is doing very well. Uh, we're hearing at the moment news that uh, rates of infections are slowing down uh, quite dramatically across the country. Um, so what can we expect with the recovery, fast or slow? Our feeling is that it will be a sharp bounce back. And the reason for that is uh, if you look at different parts of the economy, we see that they're performing in very different ways. And it shows that we are in a, a very different recession uh, to what we would expect a traditional recession to look like. So there are broadly two types of, of business um, in the UK economy or indeed in any economy. You've got those businesses that sell very much to local markets. Um, we, we call them local services. So they would be retail um uh, restaurants, cafes, those news agents, those types of business, which you find on your high street, which they're located on the high street because there are people walking past the door. They live locally, broadly, and they're going to sell something to those people. You've then got a second type of business, which we describe as being exporting businesses. So, of course, that is exporting to international markets, but actually might also mean that it's exporting sort of elsewhere in the region or elsewhere nationally from a, from a local perspective. So they're exporting outside of their local area. Now, what's interesting from the from the data is that those exporting businesses, which are the ones that generate prosperity for an area, they bring money into the area because they're selling to broader markets. They broadly have been, um, they have clearly have been affected, but they haven't been too badly affected by the recession and they've continued to, to, to sort of tick along. Now we can see that in particular from, you know, people who are continuing to work from home, you know, their jobs still exist. They're still doing their job. They're just doing it in a different position. Now, the key thing there is that if they're still sort of generating money and there's still wages going into their pockets, but they just can't spend it, then that means that hopefully when we overcome COVID uh, and we can go out freely again, there's pent up demand there for people then to go out and spend in, in cafes, bars, restaurants and, and retail. And so you'll then see this, um, this strong bounce back in those industries, which will see the economy bounce back um, uh, as a whole as a result of that. So we expect that it, Andy Haldane from the Bank of England has described it as being like a coiled spring. And we think that's what will happen. Well, that's what will happen in terms of the recovery. The question then, I think, from a, from a high street perspective is, well, won't people just continue to work from home? And I think that's something that's been debated a lot over the last 10 or 11 months. Um, and we're quite bullish on this and thinking that we think people will return to their offices. Now, there are a number of reasons for that. I think one is that if you look at the, the trends in terms of where high skill businesses in, in particular have been clustering in, in the last 20 or 30 years, is that they've been doing that within city centres. Now, that, what that means is that businesses have been paying a premium 
because it's always been expensive to set up in, in successful city centres. They've been knowingly paying a premium to be based in the city centre because of the benefit that that brings. And that's the benefits of face-to-face interaction that you have with um, with colleagues or clients or collaborators or perhaps even competitors too. It's all those of um, spontaneous interactions that you have which generate new ideas, which drive uh, a lot of businesses on. And so we think that COVID hasn't really changed that requirement for face-to-face interaction, the requirement for businesses to want that. So while you know, some employees may well like sitting in their dressing gowns until three o'clock in the afternoon doing, uh, doing Zoom calls with the camera turned off, we think that the businesses themselves will actually want the employees back because of the importance of having those people interacting with one another on a, on a face-to-face basis. And if that happens, then we think that the high street will see a, a fairly uh, sharp bounce back as well in, in the successful places at least. Now, as Helen says, you know, what isn't clear is whether people are going to return back five days a week or three or four days a week. Um, we definitely think they'll come back. But clearly, if it's only three days a week, that means it's going to be a lower level demand um, for city centre retail and cafes and bars and restaurants than if we see people returning back five days a week. So, Helen, I mean, the first part of, uh, of what Paul said there will probably be music to the ears of, uh, of some of your members who have got you know, kind of physical shops uh, that they're committed to to paying rent, you know, kind of uh, under contract, whatever. That they will, you know, obviously welcome uh, that return, and obviously the rail industry would welcome that return as well. But being very mindful that the set, you know, kind of Monday to Friday pattern uh, may well be disrupted by the pandemic. And I think you earlier on were were talking about how this uh, the pandemic has accelerated trends. It was certainly what we were seeing in the rail industry that the season ticket, which had been a big driver of revenue. Um, was becoming less and less popular as people uh, had already started taking a more flexible approach to to, to their work. And that obviously is now uh, going to become, I think, much more uh, pronounced. But but do you think that the, uh, the high street will recover in, 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 in the form that it was before? Or do you think we're going to see a, a fundamental kind of reshaping of the retail landscape from the pandemic? I think we were already on a on a road to a reshaping, and I think it's you know it's it's a it's a really important uh, community question for us all in in the, the places in which we live. It's a really important policy question for government in terms of what interventions they um, they they could or they should make, and it's a really important question for for, for lots of retail businesses from the perspective of. You know how they integrate much more closely the 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 digital offer that they have, as well as having um, something that is uh, more you know community based, so shop based. And I, I think that you know, we need to have a, a sort of much more front and centre debate about what a reimagined high streets and town centres look like that include. You know, include retail, but aren't just about retail, which is perhaps more where their focus was in the past. And you know, do include more agile working spaces, for example, at, you know, places that are between homes and offices. More care in the community, because that's another thing that um, I think COVID has really shown us is the importance of that local community network. As you know, whether we are not well or as we age, and how we um, ensure that our, our town centres and our places, uh, and local places can facilitate that. That housing crises, you know, we've got too much retail property. How do we make sure that we convert some of that into housing, but do it in a way that works for local areas? And from a, from a government point of view, you know, that 
that, that takes you into all sorts of things, the way that um, property is taxed. So business rates are a big issue for, um, you know, certainly for the retail industry, for the leisure industry, for all those that um, pay rates in, in high streets, for planning, uh, and, and, and for, you know, the role, the important role and the leadership that, you know, organisations like Paul's as well as, you know, local authorities really have to play in helping sort of facilitate and enable some of that change to happen. So, again, there's, you know, like all these things, as we were saying before, there is no silver bullet. There's no sort of magic button that we can just press. But, you know, to answer your question in a very sort of long-winded and roundabout way, are we going back to what we had before? No, we're not. You know, how retail works, how our community service continue to evolve. And we really need to make sure that that is done in a good way, because if we're not super careful, right at this moment in time, you know, we could see, you know, a real hard landing, which will involve, you know, far too many um, shops ending up being shut unnecessarily and lots of jobs being lost unnecessarily. Uh, it's really interesting. And as you say, just a, such an enormous topic that takes into account almost every element and aspect of our lives. But the, the theme that kind of ran through what you just said there is, is needing to have, you know, kind of new offers that adapt. And, and I think for, for the rail industry, that, that definitely goes for, for fares. Um, so we're working with, with government to, to try to ensure that that changes and we can offer you know, um, products that will reflect the kind of changes that, that you were just talking about there, Helen. So, Paul, I mean, do you think that rail ca- can play a role in, in reshaping the cityscape? Yes, definitely. I think part of you know, rail and other transportation has a, has a big role, I think, in the, the future prosperity of city centre economies. And then the high street is a result of that, which benefits from the you know, having, a, having a strong economy. What we, what we expect to see, I think, over, over the next 20 or 30 years, to reflect what we've seen over the last 20 or 30 years, is um, city centres city center becoming more and more important places to do business for high-skilled service-based type, economy, uh, type activities. So, and that's because they, they're the types of businesses that get the benefit from having a city centre location, you know, being based in those dense environments um, where they can have that interaction with with uh, with people either within the same organisation or from a different organisation. Now, if you're a business and you're looking, or a high school business, and you're looking to stick your pin somewhere in, in the map in, in a particular city centre, you're go- going to want to do that where, of course, you can get the required commercial space, but crucially, where you can get the workers that you need in order to do the types of activities that you're going to do. Now, if you're looking at a, at a dense city centre and a, and a big city centre in particular, like a, like London or Manchester or Birmingham, but actually smaller and, and dense places like, like Brighton as well, trying to funnel many tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or even over a million people, as is the case in London, into you know, one very small central area cannot be done by private transport because you're just going to clog the roads up straight away. And indeed, that's why in London we see so many people using um, using rail to get in as it is. It's just because it's much easier to do that than it is to get in by car. Whereas you look in, in weaker city centres, actually the opposite is the case. It's easier to get in by car because there aren't so many people trying to get in. What that means is that if we are going to see the continued growth of, of city centres, both in terms of trying to turn around struggling ones, but also trying to um, to improve on the success of the biggest ones because Manchester City Centre has, has boomed in recent years, but it's still not big enough in order to support um, jobs for all the people across Greater Manchester and beyond. 
what that means is that we're going to have to have a public transport system that allows people to get into that very, very small space on a daily basis, consistently, efficiently, um, you're going to be so that you get into the office on time. And so that means that uh, rail's got a big role to play, as well as other transport. But crucially, we think that's based on a on a sort of a transport connections within a city region. We've had a lot of discussion about how we need to spend more money on uh, linking cities together. We're actually less less keen on that idea. We think the big challenge for cities is about making sure that all those people that live in a commutable distance around a city can get in. And that means you know, thinking about um, light rail and heavy rail within a city region rather than necessarily thinking about those real connections between them. And it's that uh, subject of connectivity that is obviously going to be very important to, to your members as well, uh, Helen, isn't it? Um, because, you know, when we talk about rail, we tend to focus on passenger services, but freight is obviously enormously important for retail as well. One of the big debates, sort of taking the, 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 the sort of thinking about it from a sort of helicopter point of view around what happens after the pandemic is, uh, you know, how we can build back better, what a, um, what a greener economy looks like. And I think, you know, the, the, the rail infrastructure, the, the, you know, the way that roads are used, you know, this is all part of that conversation so that we can reduce our, our, um, our carbon footprint um, and the emission of greenhouse gases as we move to this road towards net zero. So, you know, I think how that, um, how that infrastructure can evolve and meet the needs not only of, of you know, People, passengers, but also freight is 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 really going to be a key part of that that roadmap to, to net zero for the country. Yeah, really important point. Um, and the environmental credentials uh, of rail, maybe we don't shout about enough, but um, we better pause it there. Thank you very much. We could talk about this subject all day because it is actually it's it's kind of the future. <laughs> it's the future of uh, of our economy, our country, and our, and our community. So it's an enormous topic. But thank you very much for um, both. Paul and Helen for giving us the, the glimpses of, of your worlds and the, the current thinking and things that you're juggling with at the moment as we uh, come up to a year uh, since we were we were first locked down and the impact that this um, pandemic is, is having on all of us and our businesses uh, and our cities as well. Thank you very much indeed to you as well for tuning in and, and listening. And you can uh, find this and other episodes by keeping an eye on uh, the Rail Delivery Group social channels and joining the discussion using the hashtag RDG Big Conversation. So until next time, thanks very much for listening and goodbye.